For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. We're going to be looking at it together this morning. If you want to open your Bibles, uh, your hard copy of the Bible, or if you have a copy of the Bible in a Bible app on your mobile device, join me in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at what Pastor Mac just read from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Now, while you're going there, you're getting yourself there in Ephesians chapter 3, I just want to share a couple of things with you. First of all, I just want to share with you that we are thrilled to announce that Hope Catherine Howard was born to Pastor Brian Howard and Danny Howard uh, on Friday. Yeah, their, their little one has arrived at uh, 5.13 on Friday uh, afternoon, mom and baby are doing great. They're home, and uh, uh, Hope joins Grace, who's four years old, and Noah, who's two years of age. And uh, so uh, Brian and Danny have gone from man to man to zone uh, when it comes to being a bit outnumbered. I also want to say thank you to, to Pastor uh, Brian for preaching these last couple of weeks. And if the baby had come early, there was some contingency while I was uh, away and out. And uh, uh, we're so thrilled for uh, the Howard family. We've got this new little baby added to our church family as well as to the Howard family, and I know you'll want to congratulate uh, them. And then I know our world uh, this week changed dramatically with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and uh, we've had ministry presence in Ukraine for a number of years now. Uh, Jim and Ruth Overton, Jim was raised here at Calvary, and uh, Jim and Ruth Overton have been serving in Ukraine the last couple of years, and they've been helping foster the church there in its growth and its organization, its spread, and they've had a vital ministry. They were able to leave a couple of weeks ago, or in the last couple of weeks, as Americans were warned to leave the country. Uh, they are now safely in Poland, and they're positioned where they're going to be able to help the churches there that are ministering to the refugees that are flooding out of Ukraine into Poland and Moldova and other places, and so we'll be working alongside them to find ways in which uh, we can help them and help the churches that are taking in those refugees in those countries on the outside there. We also have uh, a national partner there in western Ukraine in uh, Ruslan and Barbara Yankovsky. And uh, Ruslan uh, was raised there in one of the gypsy camps. And in those camps in western Ukraine, 
Uh, we have had a presence in a ministry. We've had an opportunity to minister to children and families through churches that are there and uh, through child sponsorship and other support through Calvary. We've been feeding hundreds of children in these camps, and uh, there is a concern that some of that will be disrupted. A number of you have been there in western Ukraine and been a part of that ministry with Ruslan. I know uh, this picture even shows uh, Pastor Rick Fusilier and uh, Scott Oatley, who's been one of our worship leader, who's leaders who's off at grad school right now with Ruslan in ministry there, uh, preparing for a, a service. Uh, and as we have ministry there, we've had a ministry with a lot of these gypsy kids in these camps. There are people groups within Ukraine, and so this is a very complicated scene. But when you think of these children, I have been among them, and they are just some beautiful kids. And uh, uh, many of them, the only meal they're getting every day is the meal that's being provided through Calvary's ministries. And um, so we're we're very concerned for this and what might happen. And Pastor Brian Field had a chance to speak with Ruslan yesterday by phone. He's been con in contact with Jim and Ruth Overton. And we're looking for ways now, it's very fluid, we're looking for ways in which we can minister both inside the country and outside the country and to help our brothers and sisters in Christ there flourish. I think of this, this image of this, uh, this guy and uh, I think of the children of Ukraine that are caught in the midst of this mess. And the church actually there, uh, pastored by Ukrainian pastor, Pastor Misha in Mukachevo, actually has been able to gather uh, the last couple of days and they have had worship services and prayer times together and this is just taken in the last 48 hours, this photo of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. One of the great things is that since the Iron Curtain fell, Ukraine happened to be one of the places where the soil was the softest for the gospel. And so there have been thousands of churches planted and so we have brothers and sisters in Christ there who are asking us to pray for them that they can be light in the midst of this darkness. And uh, we also have partners on the Russian side that uh, we know and we've talked with and uh, I just was speaking with some of them a couple of months ago and they were sharing with us their concern for what their nation looked like it was about to do. And we know that on uh, that side, uh, they've been going through quite a bit and uh, they want to also shine brightly for Christ in the midst of this mess. And so we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in that region uh, that God would allow uh, them to share the love of Jesus, to provide hope in the midst of what seems like a very hopeless situation and uh, we're going to look for ways, right now it's been very fluid, but we're looking for specific ways that we can financially support as we did in the, with the Afghan refugees after uh, the U.S. pulled out there a couple of months ago. And so watch our social media for ways you can pray. Go to Calvary Facebook and Instagram. We'll try to communicate ways you can pray. And if there's specific projects we're going to be a part of, we'll communicate those there. Uh, but it's been so fluid, it's been hard for us to get some real solid ways yet that we can uh, be of help and connection. But right now we can pray. Pastor Brian Field, our missions and outreach pastor, will be in our prayer chapel right out these doors after the service. If you want to slip in there, if you have children, pick them up from the children's ministries and join him. There's just going to be a time of 15 to 20 minutes of prayer after the service for Ukraine, for our partners there, for the churches on the ground, and for what's going to be happening with this refugee crisis that is emerging as well. I want to pause and just lead us in prayer uh, for the situation in Ukraine. Father, we thank you for this new little baby for the Howard family, and we pray your blessing on hope. May she grow to come to know Jesus at a young age, and May she become a young woman uh, years from now that will reflect Christ well in our world. Thank you for the Howards and for their family, and may they know how loved they are from our church family in this moment as their family has expanded and they welcome a little hope into their home. 
Father, we also pray for the heaviness in, in our hearts and we know the fear and the concern that is there in Ukraine and what is going on. We pray that you would change the heart of Mr. Putin. We pray you'd bring voices around him that would uh, bring reason. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you would bless the Russian church in the midst of this mess and allow our brothers and sisters in Christ there to shine for Jesus. We pray for our Ukrainian partners. We pray for Jim and Ruth and for Ruslan and Barbara. We pray for others there that are both now outside dealing with some of the refugees and helping the churches in the surrounding countries, but also for those who remain inside, like Ruslan. We pray your protection. We ask that you give us clear ways in which we here and in our area, here in the greater Caneo Valley, how we can make a difference there. And Father, we ask that you'd give wisdom to President Biden and to world leaders all around the world, to our Western uh, friends in the EU and for NATO. And we ask, Lord, that you would bring an end to this. And we ask that uh, you, again, would use this mess to shine the light of Christ to people who may in some way or another never have seen the light of Jesus in such a way. We pray these things knowing you are God and you are in control. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before the situation happened in Ukraine, as a world, we were already worn out. And there was a survey taken about three weeks ago by Health Day and the Harris polling firm, and it was a survey of Americans, and they were asking questions about how worn out Americans are. This was taken within the last month, but before the Ukrainian crisis added another layer on top of the political divide and the, the uh, tensions regarding protocols and the heartache we felt with, with COVID over the last two years of the pandemic. But I just want to share with you some statistics that this survey discovered about how worn out Americans really are right now after almost two years of this pandemic. Uh, 60% of Americans say they feel mentally tired throughout the day, even though they haven't been a part of physical activity or had pressure at work. They're just weary. 60% say they're just tired mentally throughout the day. 38% of young adults, 18 to 34, say they are more tired now than before the pandemic. 37% of parents with children in their household say they are more tired now than before the pandemic. That doesn't surprise us. 57% of adults say they have more trouble falling asleep now than before the pandemic. And they say it's because they have too much on their minds. Their minds can't stop with all the stuff they're processing. 35% of adults say they have turned to sleep aids or alcohol to fall asleep since the start of the pandemic. And medical professionals and, and therapists tell us that is not a healthy thing for that to be a long-term pattern. And so there is a, there's a lot of of uh, stress and fatigue in, in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our businesses, our churches, our schools. But this survey also asked about fears that Americans have for this very year, for 2022. 73% of Americans feel a crippling global, global recession will take place in 2022. 70% fear a new deadly COVID variant in 2022. 61% fear returning to public activities and getting out and, and being with others in settings they may have been very comfortable in before. 50% fear losing their job in this year. 50% of those. And then when given the statement, the worst is still ahead, 47% agreed, agreed with that statement that the worst is still ahead. We are a fatigued people, a weary, worn out, worn down people. How many of you would say in the last two years, I have been worn down or worn out at some point? Just raise your hand if in the last two years, all right? If you're at home joining us online, uh, just raise your hand, be honest before the Lord in that response. 
How many of you maybe you say, the last two days I've been worn out with some of this news we've been seeing and I feel fatigued? Just raise your hand. Yeah. It's easy for us in this world and with the layers of stuff that has gone on and the tension and the brokenness in families and relationships and friendships and businesses and in churches for us to feel worn out. Today, as we look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, I want us to understand this. When life wears you down, let God build you up. When life lets you down, let God build you up. Now, these eight verses found in Ephesians 3 that conclude this chapter conclude the first half of the book. You remember that when we started our study of this wonderful letter written by the Apostle Paul in the first century, from prison, where he was for preaching the gospel, he's writing to the first century believers in the city of Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. And we talked about how these six chapters are divided very clearly. The first three chapters deal with doctrine and theology, who we are in God's grace, in Christ. We even titled the series in this study of Ephesians, In Christ, because it's repeated so much. And what does that mean doctrinally and theologically? What does it mean that we are positioned in Christ by his grace? And we've seen in these first three chapters this grand picture of who we are in Christ. And then we said the second half of the book, chapters four, five, and six, gets down to practical living. It deals with things like marriage and work and patience and anger and forgiving people. It's been hard to forgive. It, it takes the theological things that we learn in the first half and puts them into real life and practical situations in the second half of the book. And these eight verses we're looking at today are kind of the hinge verses, the link between the theological doctrinal portion of the book and the practical everyday living portion of the book in chapters four through six. And so I love these, th these six verses. They repeat three major theological themes and begin to hint at their practical application to our daily lives. The first thing we see is found in verses 14 through the first part of verse 17, verse 14 through the first part of verse 17, and that is that God, when he wants to build us up, wants to build up our confidence, our strength, you know, we, we go about life right now, we feel a little worried about who we're saying what to and what's being said and what we post, and there, there's so much that can leave us just worn out and worn down, but God wants us to have a confidence in life. And, and this confidence is because of his inconceivable presence. Some of you hear that word inconceivable when you go to the Princess Bride, right? Vincini, inconceivable. He says it several times in the movie, and finally... Uh, toward uh, the end of the movie, the other character says, you say this word many times, but I don't think you know what it means. But inconceivable means unthinkable, unheard of. Your mind can't comprehend it. And when it comes to the presence of God in our lives, when we fully understand what it means that we have the presence of God in our lives, it is unconceivable, unthinkable. It doesn't make human sense, but it's important for us who know Jesus as our Savior, to understand the presence of God in our lives, it gives us confidence and strength for today. Let's look at verses 14 through that first portion of verse 17. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now you have to stop with this reason, right? What's the reason? We go back to verse 13. and He said he didn't want the Ephesian believers to be discouraged, to lose heart, because of his sufferings by being in prison for the gospel. So I don't want you to be discouraged. And that's the, that's the background to this whole section of verses. I don't want you to be discouraged. So I kneel before the Father. I'm praying before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I'm praying to the Father who is the highest 
source of all humanity, and I am looking to him, the, the highest source of what, who, who can provide for us as human beings. And I'm praying for you. And then he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that speaks of his grace that we don't deserve, he may strengthen you with power. Paul says, I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to be strengthened with power. I want you to have confidence in this life. The word strengthen here is, is the idea of something that can be filled up or fed and, and will be drained of power and need to be filled up and fed again to have power. It doesn't have its own power. And then the word power here is actually used as something that doesn't need plugged in, doesn't need to be fed. It has power inherent to it and in it, it is a power source itself and never needs to be recharged. So he's saying, I'm praying that your batteries that can get drained will be filled with the power, the supernatural power that I have that doesn't need, any, doesn't need to be plugged in or fed in any way. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, fill you up with this power from me through his spirit, through, the, through his spirit in your inner being. So I'm praying that where you have been worn down and worn out, God will give you his power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus promised his disciples in the upper room when he talked about leaving them. He said, when I leave you, and he was gonna go to the cross and to the grave, and then he would be resurrected and ascend to the Father. He said, but after that, the night before he was crucified, he said, after that, I'm gonna send you a comforter. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, and the Son sent the Spirit of God into believers to be the presence of Christ in us. Christ was with the disciples, the apostles, but he is in us in the expressed intimate presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, this isn't some sort of pantheism that God is in everything, everywhere. This is the personal intimate expressed presence of God. Here's what I want us to understand when we talk about this confidence because of his inconceivable presence, this spirit of God being in our innermost being, is that he is in you wherever you go, not just with you whenever you need him. He is with you, or he's in you wherever you go, not just with you whenever you need him. There is a distinction I'm making here that comes from this text. The spirit of God is in your inner being. You know, when you look at literature, you look at TV shows and movies, there are these themes of uh, a genie that comes out of a lamp you rub, or there's uh, someone you call upon or appears in a dream. When you're in need, you call uh, out to this source, this ancestor, this ghost who shows up. Even in our, in our hero movies, we have the bat signal in the air so that Batman will show up when he's needed. And sometimes we think that that's our relationship with the presence of God, but it's not. It's not just that God is with us whenever we need him, but he is with us wherever we go. He's in us. You remember in Ephesians chapter one, he said that for those who believe, he has given the down payment, the guarantee in the form of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit indwelling you until you are with Christ. This is where our confidence comes from. And this is distinct from how Old Testament saints experience the presence of God. If you read about the Old Testament saints and the Spirit of God, you look to Saul and David and the prophets, you'll, you'll read that it'll say, the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God left him. The Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God did not dwell with them. As a matter of fact, uh, when it came to God's presence in the nation of Israel, as they left the nation of Egypt for the promised land, and 
Because of their disobedience at one point, their journey was extended to 40 years and 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Remember, as they left Egypt, God put a cloud, a pillar of cloud out in front of them. That would be the representation of the intimate express presence of God with his people. And when the cloud moved, they moved. When it stopped, they stopped. And as they journeyed during the day, this cloud would, leave, would lead them, and sometimes it would stop and they'd encamp for three or four days, sometimes it'd be for weeks, sometimes for months. But this cloud was the presence of God with them. And then at night, this pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire representing the very presence of God, and it would hover over the tabernacle and their encampment would be completely around the, the, the tabernacle where the presence of God would be. And then when the temple would come, there would be fire that would come into the Holy of Holies to indicate the presence of God was with them. But then after Jesus is crucified and buried and raised, he says to his disciples to go back to Jerusalem and wait because the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you and he's gonna be in you. He's gonna empower you to take the message of my good news to the ends of the earth. And so they gather in the upper room and on the day of, the, of Pentecost, tongues of fire come above their heads, symbolically showing that now the very presence of God, the intimate express presence that once dwelt in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle in the temple that was with his people, now the intimate express presence of God is inside every follower of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 says, the moment we believe we're given the Holy Spirit, he stays with us to guide us, to convict us, to lead us, to nudge us, to open the scriptures to us, to help us understand as other believers speak into our lives. We have the presence of the Spirit of God in us, not just with us. That is radically different than just being able to call on some entity or being or hero in our time of need. Wherever you go, God is in you. You never go anywhere that you are out of his presence. And that ought to bring into our lives a confidence and a strength because that is distinctly different from anyone else on this planet. It's not just a theology or a religion or an idea or a philosophy. When you know Christ as your savior, you have his presence within you. And as you move through the ups and downs of life, he is with you because he is in you wherever you go. When Moses was saying his farewell to the people of Israel as they were to move into the promised land, and because of his disobedience, he would not move into the promised land. Deuteronomy 31.8 says that Moses said to them, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. He's gonna go with you. Then in the New Testament again, in the era in which we live, the scriptures are clear, as Paul said in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. As you sit in this room or you sit where you are uh, joining us online, you either have the Spirit of God in you or you don't have the Spirit of God in you. There's no in-between, no part of. You either have the indwelling presence of the intimate express Spirit of God in you or you don't. The, what's the difference? None of us are born with the Spirit of God within us. We're all born sinners in need of a Savior. And as we saw in Ephesians 1, the moment we put our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, 
to save us from our sins and to make us right with God. In that moment, we are forgiven. We are made God's child. We are given an eternal home. But when we put our faith in Christ and turn from our sin and our self-righteousness to Jesus and to him alone by faith, in that moment, the Holy Spirit is placed inside of us and he stays with us until we are in the presence of God for all eternity. That ought to give us confidence in this world. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. And you're not gonna have that kind of strength that Paul is talking about in the innermost being. But God wants to give you that strength and God wants to give you that confidence and God wants his presence to be in you wherever you go. Simply put your faith in Jesus. If you do that today in prayer to him, or you have questions for us, we'd love to connect with you. There are three ways you can connect with us. One is after the service or care and prayer team will be down front. You can speak to one of them and they can answer questions you might have, celebrate with you that the day you put your faith in Jesus and what that means and how now you have the spirit of God within you for the rest of your life. You can meet me on the patio. I can have someone on our team just open the scriptures and make sure you understand what we're talking about, about putting your faith in Christ and being a follower of Jesus. And perhaps you're in the room or you're joining us online and maybe the best way for you to connect with us is to text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen and we'll send you some resources immediately and then someone on our team will follow up with you in the next couple of days. We wanna answer any question you have. We wanna make sure you know my prayer today before this service was that no one would leave here, no one would see uh, this sermon online and come to the conclusion of the message or the service and not have the Spirit of God within them. And the only way you can have this inconceivable presence of God in you is through faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit then is the guarantee. And that gives us confidence. No matter what we face in life, he is in us and with us. Sometimes we think peace comes if all the trials and troubles, you know, we'd be at peace, we wouldn't be worn out, we wouldn't be worn down if just all conflict on the national scene, the international scene, the local scene, in our relationships, if all the problems and difficulties would go away, then we'd have peace. But I like how Alexander McLaren said it, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. And we need to live our lives, allow God to build us up knowing that we have confidence because the Spirit of God indwells us. Can I encourage you this week as you pray? If, if just a short prayer. Maybe you're not used to praying. Maybe you have a regular time of prayer. But take the time to pray each day this week and just tap your chest and say, thank you, God, for putting your Spirit in me. Thank you for dwelling in me. I'm not saying do this. <laughs> I don't even know what that is and don't do it well. It's just not my thing, but... I'm saying just thank you, God, that wherever I go, you're not just with me, you're in me to guide me, lead me. Thank God for his inconceivable presence. It ought to give us confidence. Secondly, God will build you up not only in your confidence, but in your security, that you're secure in him, you're secure in Christ. That's been a major theme in these opening three chapters, that we are secure in Christ. It's all about Christ, not about what we do. It's not about our performance. It's about our relationship with God through Jesus. So the second way God wants to build you up when you've been worn down by life 
is security because of his incomprehensible love. This is a love that cannot be measured. It cannot be comprehended. Look at verse 17, the second part of that verse, in through verse 19. And I pray, now here's the second thing he prays. I pray that you'll be strengthened with divine power in your innermost being because of the spirit of God's presence in you. Now, he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I love that, rooted and established in love. In the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, this is in the perfect tense. And it has the idea, both verbs here, rooted and established, both have the idea of completed action and past time with continuing results. So it means you have been rooted, you have been established, and then it means and still are. You have been rooted and still are. You have been established and still are. Our root in Christ is in the love God has shown us in sending his son to die for us. The love he has demonstrated to us in this great sacrifice of his son in our behalf. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. This is the idea of the ability that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. What does he want them to grasp? It's reaching out to grasp how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then he goes on to say, you try to grasp that, you won't be able to. Why? Because then to know this love that surpasses knowledge, this is a love that you cannot even define. It's uncontainable. It's immeasurable. It's limitless. It is unlimited. It is a love that you can't get outside of when you are rooted and established in it. And it just blows away human knowledge and understanding. It's undefinable, this love, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may have complete security in your relationship with God and the love he has shown you. You see, he loves you when you're at your worst, not just when you're at your best. This idea that you, you try to grasp the, the width and length and height and depth of God's love, when you try to do that, you never will be able to because it cannot be fit, fit into human knowledge and understanding. It is so vast. Just as you can go nowhere as God's child without God's spirit who indwells you, you can never as God's child be outside the realm of God's love. That gives us great security in a world of insecurity, in a world where relationships are torn apart, where people are at stress with one another. Now, I'm not much of a handyman at all. My brother got all of those abilities. My toolbox is about this big. Got basically a hammer so that if something's stuck, I can unstick it. I got duct tape so if it's moving and it needs to be in place, I can tape it down. And uh, I've got a tape measure. This is probably the best thing, best tool for me. This is the one I'm the best at. If you need someone to come measure things for you, it's me. <laughs> I can do that. I mean, I can put it here and say, okay, this is, uh, oh boy, that's complicated. 15 and three quarters or whatever the next thing is beyond three quarters. Then you go this way. This is a little easier. It's right there at 20. No, that's complicated too. But you get the idea is that you, if you try to measure certain things, we have a way in which you could measure it and, 
in uh, inches or millimeters or centimeters. And there are ways we can measure things, and there are different measurement standards that have been used by different uh, stages of human history, but, but you can't measure God's love. And that love came to us not when we were at our best, but when we were at our worst. Ephesians 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. There's something about this verse that I want to point out that sometimes we jump right over. He says, I pray that you may have the capacity or power together with all the Lord's holy people. You see, it is God's love that is not just our own personal security, but it is our unity together. Jesus made it really clear in that upper room conversation with his disciples, the way the world is going to know who you are, that you are really my followers after I'm gone, is they're going to see you loving each other. That means we're going to put up with different perspectives and views, but we're going to love each other. And I know for some, families have been torn apart in the last couple of years and generations within families and ministries and churches and business partnerships and small groups. And we need to make sure that we understand that as we grasp the love of God, it is the love of God that gives us security and unity together. And as we love one another and, and let the differences fall to the side and make sure that we love each other in Christ and seek that kind of unity as we'll talk about next week, as we move into chapter four, then that love spills over into the world around us. I didn't see an ocean until I was 20 years old, growing up in northern Indiana. I started dating Leslie, who was now my wife at that time, and they lived in Baltimore, Maryland, and so on a college break, we went to visit her parents, and they, I saw the Atlantic Ocean. But I did grow up 45 minutes from Lake Michigan. That was my ocean, <laughs> It was a rare day you could see across to Chicago, but mostly you'd stand at the shores of Lake Michigan and it's, you just stood there and you think, you have no idea how deep this is, how wide this is. And it's kind of the imagery Paul is drawing on. You cannot fathom the width, the depth, the height, or the length of God's love. It is boundless. I love how the hymn writer kind of captured that in the song, The Love of God. In one stanza, he says, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky, the love of God. Please understand that Nothing you have ever done or can do can separate you from the love of God. You are secure in God's love for you. And then we're to share that with each other, that same love that is limitless and is incomprehensible. And we're to let that love spill out into the community and into the world. And we're going to seek to do that even in how we care for what's going on in Ukraine and the people who are hurting there. Let me remind you of of a verse I read a couple of weeks ago and we talked about the love of God, Romans 8, 35, 38 through 39 in the New Living Translation. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I am convinced, Paul writes, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you feel worn down, remember you are secure in the incomprehensible love of Christ. Maybe just take a tape measure. Maybe it's one of the tools you have. Get it out of the toolbox, put it on the kitchen table or on your dining room table, put it next to your computer, put it somewhere you see it and be reminded, I will never be outside of God's love for me. This tape could never go far enough. If you've got children or grandchildren around the house, then include them in the reminder that we can't measure God's love. It's boundless, it's incomprehensible, and it's in that very love that we are secure. When life wears you down, let God build you up in the security that's yours in the love of God. Thirdly, God wants to build you up with hope. Hope. When things seem bleak and life seems adrift and and there's a sense of aimlessness and you're overwhelmed with needs, God wants to give you hope. Hope because of his inexhaustible capacity There is nothing in this world that limits our God. And our God is capable of meeting every one of our needs in this room today and throughout all of our lifetimes in this very moment. He's able to meet the needs of our entire world at the global level and at every individual level right now in this moment. He is capable to do all of that and far beyond that. And that gives us hope. Look at verses 20 and 21. These are kind of the doxology of this opening section of the book. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that's that power that doesn't need plugged in or fed, that's divine sovereign power that is at work within us because we have the spirit of God working in us, empowering us in our inner being. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. That's the exclamation point to the grand theology of who we are in Christ Sinners saved by grace. We have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in us wherever we go. We are secure in the love of Christ. We can never be outside of that love as God's child. And he is the one who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I see Pastor Larry down here. He texted me last night knowing what my text was, and he reminded me, Pastor Larry is the founding pastor of Calvary, and he reminded me that There are scriptures placed throughout the building when in 1999, Calvary moved into this building long before I got here. But he reminded me that here where I'm standing, the scripture that was placed here is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. To remind us and declare from here that we serve the God who has this inexhaustible capacity to meet every need of all the world and every person He can do immeasurably beyond what we could ask or imagine. You can't create a prayer list that God even winces at thinking he's not capable of doing that. I love that that's the passage that's here. To lift up the the vastness of our God, how he transcends all of the world and all the universe and all of our troubles and all of our struggles and he can meet every one of our needs. You see, he can meet every need you will ever have, not just what you need today. Some of us say, well, then why doesn't he meet all my needs right now so I don't have to worry about tomorrow? Remember, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. He promised when we seek him and his kingdom first, his way of life, and living out the reality of Christ in this world, when we do that, he'll meet our needs for today. 
And then we get up tomorrow, he'll meet our needs for tomorrow. And then we get up the next day, he'll meet our needs for that day. You say, well, how, how can we know he does that? When he meets your needs today, you lift up your eyes and you see this God, the God of hope, who is beyond anything we can ask or imagine. And he's going to meet you in the moment of today, and he's going to meet you in the moment of tomorrow as you walk with him. As you walk with him down the path, he will provide, he will meet your needs. This God who has this inexhaustible capacity. Tony Evans says it this way, God's path will never lack God's provision. God's path will never lack God's provision. You can't put something on your prayer list that God can't answer. Now, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty, he knows what is best for us and for others around us and what is best for the world. He is advancing something and working his eternal purposes that are much greater and higher than we can understand. And he is working his eternal and perfect will. And we trust him for what he provides us today as we walk with him. And that gives us hope as he meets our needs today that will meet our hope, meet our needs the next day. When you feel worn out, worn down by life, Remember, God is in you wherever you go. God loves you and always will. And God will meet every need you have in the moment you need that need met. When life wears you down, God wants to build you up with confidence and security and hope. And all of that is found in Christ, in Christ Jesus. When I was a kid, I learned this little thing and I think it was like Sunday school or vacation Bible school or one or maybe it was with Child Evangelism Fellowship. I don't remember who taught me, but as a kid growing up in the church, I was told that uh, what Moses told the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 31.8, you know, as you go in, remember, he will never leave you or forsake you. That was repeated in Hebrews 13.5. There it just simply says that the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, forget you. I think sometimes we get worn down and worn out. We lose perspective. We forget that God is in us wherever we go, not just with us when we need him. We forget that God loves us and always will with a love that cannot be contained. We forget that our only hope, our real hope in this world, is our God who will meet our needs for today. It's important for us to understand that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never abandon you. I'll always love you. I'll always take care of you. So I was taught, if you do this with me, put your hand out in front of you where your thumb is pointing towards you and your pinky's pointing away. Go ahead, I know it looks odd, but just put your hand out in front of you. There you go. If you're online, it probably looks really weird if you're sitting there with your family doing this or you're by yourself. That even looks odder, but nobody knows. Just put your hand in front of you. And these few words out of Hebrews 13, 5, I was taught, you just say, I will never leave you. And then when I was taught this, and I've taught it to children, I keep your hand up now. Come on now. You're so weak and worn out, you can't hold your hand up. He's, I was taught to just say, never. So I will never leave you. Now, where's that pointing? It's pointing to you. So this time you put your name in there, right? Say it with me. I will never leave Sean. How many of you said Sean? And your name isn't Sean. Let's try it one more time and you say your name, not mine, all right? But this is from Hebrews 13:5. Here is the promise of God when you're worn out and you're worn down. He wants you to have confidence in his presence in you. He wants you to have security in his love that will never leave you. And he wants you to have hope in his eternal provision for you today. That God says to you, I 
will never leave Sean. You know what? I learned it as a kid, but I still pull out my hand every now and then and just put it in front of me and remind myself of that promise from God. And God builds me up when I'm reminded of his presence, his love, and the hope I have in Christ. Are you letting God build you up? Thank him for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Be reminded you can't measure God's love. And recognize that it'll meet your needs today to give you hope for tomorrow. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for this beautiful passage. Be glorified in our lives as we seek to apply it to our own experiences. And we've been worn out and worn down for different reasons. Some of us, it's family-related, health-related, finances, job. For others, it's relationships that have been broken, or maybe it's been just a challenge with some of the things we've gone through, like COVID and the political tensions, and now what we see in the world scene that can bring worry and fear into our lives. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to allow you to build us up as your spirit strengthens us on the inside as we embrace your love together and share it with one another in the body of Christ, let it flow over into the world. Father, I pray for those who perhaps uh, feel like you've abandoned them. May they know your presence. I pray for those who feel like they've done something that has gotten them outside of your love. May they know your love. Father, I pray for those who perhaps have kind of felt like things are bleak and hopeless and have got some despair. I pray you would give them hope, hope in that you will meet their needs today and then tomorrow will take care of itself. Father, be glorified in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.